everybody. Welcome to the Latch Mama podcast. We are back. It is officially October and we are talking today about bullying because apparently October is National Bullying Awareness Month or something. I don't know. doesn't really matter because we should be talking about bullying all the time because <laughs> it's not a great thing, but it's something that we cannot ignore that happens happens within motherhood. But we're going to talk about it more on the child level today um we have our resident uh oh can i call you our resident can you just keep coming back forever and ever and ever i'll come back whenever you uh, want me to. i love it um <laughs> gente is here um talking to us again about um school counseling and how we can help our children overcome some of those difficult moments you're listening to the Latch Mama podcast. I'm your host, Melissa Wirt, business owner and tired mom of five. Join us each week as we talk about pregnancy, nursing, parenting, and all things motherhood. Thanks yeah. for coming back. Thank you so much. Um, do you want to give a quick little bio? I know you were here a couple months ago before we um, started getting back to school with COVID and stuff and thought maybe we could talk again. You want to tell people about yourself? Sure. So I am a school counselor with both elementary and middle school experience. I am the uh, JK through 12 school counselor at the Stewart School. Awesome. So just recently made that transition to private from being in Chesterfield earlier in my career and later as of late recently uh, in Henrico County. Um, I'm an educational consultant, uh, the energetic counselor. I love it. And um, I actually also work as an educational specialist doing consulting and coaching for developmental health and wellness. Um, It uh, is located in Henrico, and we do all things with uh, school-based mental health and private psychological testing. So, yeah, check us out with that. (laughs) So my guess is that you've had a lot of exposure Mm -hmm. across the board with different communities. Mm -hmm with what bullying kind of looks like and the effects it can have Mm -hmm. on kids and their self-esteem and all of that wonderful stuff. Um, Talk to me a little bit, just kind of overall, Mm -hmm. what you see from a school counselor perspective, what it stems from, um, and then we'll kind of go and kind of go from there. So sure. So the last time I was here, we talked a lot about just the absence of um, social interaction with kids and the role that um, that uniquely plays now versus uh, pre uh, pandemic. Um, Many times when I see children struggle with um, bullying or negative interactions between peers, usually uh, the culprit is either a background of trauma So they've learned certain survival skills that are um, not uh, socially um, acceptable or they just lack social skills, either due to immaturity or it could be due to um, social or um, behavioral uh, challenges that they're having. Um, many times we see with like ADHD, we see some deficits with uh, social interactions, definitely with uh, different p- 
parts of the autism spectrum, mm -hmm. uh, social component is huge for students that are uh, on the autism spectrum. And are we talking about the people who are doing the bullying or the people who are getting bullied or both? Both. Okay. Yeah. A lot of people don't realize that. Um, but um, sometimes on the victim standpoint, it can be mm -hmm. some hypersensitivity. It can be yep. issues with not knowing how to respond correctly. How mm -hmm. do I advocate for myself and say, I don't like this or I don't want this. But then also for the aggressor or the bully, mm -hmm. uh, not knowing how to um, socialize, not knowing how to interact with their peers, yep. um, wanting attention, but not knowing how to seek any other attention other than negative attention. Wow. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm sure this doesn't, this isn't rocket science, but when kids are bullied, what happens? Sure. So I think there are certain things that I, I really wish I could tell parents to meet me around the corner at the coffee at, at Starbucks yeah. so I can tell them like parent to parent yeah, and not have to always put on this like brave, like PR face. <laughs> um, I love that. But, you know, when children are, dealing with um conflict yeah sometimes i don't like using the word bully in all ways because it almost like it, it hits this trigger right mm -hmm. sometimes i prefer to think of it as just just children in conflict because i think conflict and bullying can sometimes be very easily confused and i um, also think the word bullying just in general not to interrupt you yeah puts sure. parents on the defensive it does if you're if you're told that your child is bullying somebody else or mm -hmm. acting like a bully mm -hmm. all of a sudden i think it puts like i said parents on the defensive so when you hear when i hear bullying as a school counselor i want to immediately unpack that tell me mm -hmm. what's happening and what i want parents to know is uh, you know it is extremely difficult from the school side to say well I don't want my child near that child anymore. Well, if they're in the same class, that that's really unrealistic. I mm -hmm. mean, we can be vigilant about supervision, but it's really unrealistic for one teacher in a classroom of, what, 25 kids mm -hmm. to keep two of them totally away from each other all day long. It's just, it's just not realistic. Yep. On the other side of that, though, um, if I'm a parent and my child is being bullied by your child, let's say. Mm -hmm. um, I cannot request that your child be moved out of my child's class. I can't make a decision about someone else's child. Now, I can ask a school to say, you know, hey, I think my child is really having a lot of issues with this other child. Can they be moved to another class? As a last resort, certainly. Okay. Um, but, you know, we can't dictate other children being moved that are not our own. Um, and I, I often hear that um, from the school school standpoint. Like you want the person who's getting bullied to stay in that safe environment, yep. that, that routine environment, but yep. they want the other kid moved because the other right. kid is the one that's that's acting out or, or doing the bullying. Right, which makes sense, mm -hmm. especially Absolutely. if you're a tiger mom. Absolutely. You know, I was going to say mama bear all day long. Absolutely. Right, that's your baby. But from a school standpoint, kind of understand the position that puts, yep. puts us in. Um, I also get a lot of requests for parents of the victim to want to meet with, with the, parents the parents of, of the, the bully. bully. I mean, I, I kind of feel like that's like the first reaction. Yes, it time, is. I mean, I would hope that that's coming from like <laughs> the idea of you want to understand and you want to understand where it's coming from, but maybe not with everybody. Sure. <laughs> um, and, you know, 
we have to, we want to assume the best, but we have to plan for the worst sometimes. That can create a really hostile environment because to be honest, every, both parents are there for their child. Absolutely. Um, And no matter how much we try to, you know, think that our child is not perfect. Yep. um, When you got two parents going head to head, that creates a really hostile environment for a school to be able to facilitate. Yeah. So those are just two things that I often hear as requests yep. um, that are very emotionally charged that yeah. I, I really want parents to kind of take a step back and think about what position that puts the school in when mm-hmm. a request like that is made. So is there mediation that ever happens between two students? Sure. So with that said, conflict resolution skills are key. They are life skills. Um, As adults, we learn conflict resolution. We learn ways to effectively communicate. Um, Whenever I'm doing a mediation with students, which is common in my career um, Mm -hmm. as a school counselor, I like to help them understand just three key things. And I like to keep things short and sweet for kids because that helps them to be able to connect with it. Mm -hmm. Um, I say, I want you to understand three things. Um, Each of you has feelings. And they're like, yeah, 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 we both have feelings. (laughs) Usually they're not very positive ones at that point. (laughs) You both have feelings. You both have a problem. Whether you both want to admit that it's a problem, you know, we may have some passive aggressive things going on there, but whether we want to admit it, both of you have have a problem. And both of you probably have an idea of what the solution would be. Problem is those solutions are probably polar opposites. Yep. Um, so when I can get students to understand those three things, that is when true um, conflict resolution mediation can happen. It's when we acknowledge that we both have feelings, we both have a problem, and we both have a possible solution because that develops right off the bat commonalities between two people, two people. that don't think they have anything in common it's fascinating yeah i feel like that can be that can work between siblings as well like yes. in just in any group situation ever yeah i mean use just, that with your kids yeah absolutely <laughs> uh, so i mean we we talked a little bit about where bullying comes from mm-hmm. what advice would you give parents who let's say realize that their kid's a bully mm-hmm. i mean what do you what, what do you do with that Well, I think uh, creating a positive and nurturing environment at Mm -hmm. home, really modeling effective communication Mm -hmm. are just kind of foundational things. Um, Modeling boundaries and and that it being okay to set boundaries. Often when children struggle with conflict, it's because they are not used to seeing healthy conflict from their home role models. Okay. Okay. just because we have a disagreement, it doesn't have to be an argument. Okay. So they need to see that. They need to see what that looks like. If every time, and, and that's where we go back with, mm-hmm. you know, environmental and, and home environments and those factors is whenever they see people in their home in disagreement, if it's always yelling, they're going to shy away from any disagreement because they think that it's going to lead to a hostile environment. It's going to be yelling or it's going to be fighting or it's going to be, you know, maybe they see domestic violence as a result of, somebody just disagreeing. So they need to know what healthy disagreement looks like um, and that it doesn't always have to involve yelling. And I think we as parents have to be kind of whole charge of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the same way, I think we also need to start practicing at home safe expression of feelings. Um, mm-hmm. That really makes me upset when you do that. You know, I've 
been trying to ignore this, but mm-hmm. it's really starting to get under my skin. Mm-hmm. It's like a lot about what we talked about in the school prior to COVID thing is mm-hmm. the transparency and the vulnerability. Like it's okay to be vulnerable with your kids. Like it's okay mm-hmm. to talk about your feelings because I feel like that's where they learn that it's okay to talk about theirs mm-hmm. as opposed to acting them out or, you know, addressing things with another peer or something. Sure. And I think it's also important to let them be uncomfortable. Um, one thing that I heard at um, a school counseling conference um, a while ago that kind of rocked my world is in elementary school, which is where most of my experience is, mm-hmm. um, we often greet classes as friends. All right, friends, let's come to the carpet. Okay, friends, we're going to get our day started. But that is making the assumption that every child is their friend. And so mm-hmm. it's a false assumption. Mm-hmm. Um, I know, and you probably know mm-hmm. from elementary school, you had 25 people in your class, 20 mm-hmm. people in your class. Some of them were your friends. Mm-hmm. You played with them at recess. You sat with them at lunch. Mm-hmm. Some of them, you know, they were just kids in your class. Yep. You were respectful to them. You were nice mm-hmm. to them. But were they really your friends? No. Mm-hmm. And then some kids you didn't want to associate with at all. And Absolutely. that was okay. Yeah, I mean, I feel like we've created this this situation where in any time that you're with a peer group, you're supposed to come out on the other side with friends. I mean, we were talking right. about that when we first started. My son was at camp this week. They get three breaks, two five minutes and a 15 minute. And he has this anxiety at the end of the week that he doesn't have any friends because he wanted to use his 15 minute break to just relax and not have to follow the rules and just be alone. And I'm like, that's you. And that's that's who you are. And, it, and it's OK that you're not coming home with the best friend at the mm-hmm. end of this, you know. Yeah. And it's just, it's so interesting. I love that point that Mm -hmm. like, yes, we need connection in life. It's what drives us all and it's what makes this world go around. But we don't have to require friendships in every situation. And that goes to letting them be uncomfortable. Um, Life is a mountain that they have to climb. And if they're used to everything being smooth sailing, those mountains are going to rock their world. Um, So this is the hard part about parenting, right? Um, when you are have a child that's dealing with conflict and dealing with bullying at school and letting things play out is hard, especially if you're like a tiger mom, mama bear, papa bear. Um, But also even in the home between siblings. Yep. Like I sometimes sit back and, and it's tough to know when do I intervene and when, when I don't. Mm -hmm. And that really has to be, I can't tell you necessarily when to get involved and when not that really has to deal with, parenting styles, personality, and then you knowing your child. If you're starting to see change in their interest in school, change in their behavior both in and out of school, um, change in their ability to like get excited about going to school, those are times that I would say that as a parent in general, I would see intervention happening. Um, I know if I had a child that was super excited about going to school and then all of a sudden that was diminished even if I didn't know if it was about bullying Mm -hmm. I would want to start investigating so let's say an example because I'm sure that this happens Mm -hmm. that your kid comes home and says so and so made fun of the way I said a word today or so and so made fun of the fact that my teeth are crooked or that my hair looks like this or whatever Mm -hmm. it's not really probably quite bullying yet Mm -hmm. it's what I would assume is just normal kids trying to Mm -hmm. find their way. Mm -hmm. What do we do as parents? We build those kids back up. Do we teach them how to respond to that? Like how, how can we support our kids as they 
navigate what I assume is just kind of normal social growth and interaction with others. So bullying is usually described as something that's repeated over time. Okay. Um, that is, 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 is there's a sequence to it. Um, it's like a habit. Okay. If he's coming home every day saying the same child is continuing, mm-hmm. then I would err on feeling like that was more bullying. Um, I will say one question I like to ask kids when they tell me that somebody did something, I'll say, how big was that problem for you? a great question was it a is that is that a little deal to you is it a medium deal or is it a big deal because i'm sure there are kids who like connection and like to come talk and say you know almost like a tattletaling like a a preschooler you know it's really trying to understand how big that situation was and how deep the hurt is sure and i think it's confusing for us as parents because we are not sure what they're looking for are you telling me because it's just hey, it was something that happened in my day. Or are you telling me this because it really, really bothers me? And so I think helping them to measure out, is this a small deal, a medium deal, or a large deal, really helps them to self-regulate too. And it helps them to be able to decide how big is this going to be in my world. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's so awesome. Is is there a lesson in some of this? And I I don't want to belittle bullying in mm-hmm. any way. Sure. But is there a lesson in resilience somewhere in this and something that we can teach our children? Or do we need to take, like you just said, big, little, small? Like, I mean, do we need to really, really address every issue that comes across? Sure. I think that's where we let them, that's where we let them really drive the boat with that. You know, okay. if they start to say that it's really bothering them, mm-hmm. then they've likely used uh, much of their, you know, resilience resilience already to get to that point. Um, If I can share like a little story, I have um, my 10 year old now, Karis. um, She was probably in a a lower grade. I can't remember which grade, but she rarely comes home and tells me anything about people bothering her. Um, Her school does a great job of just being a really positive, nurturing yeah. little kind of hometown environment. Um, and she told me that, you know, someone said something mean to her and um, I had done her hair different. So she was like, my hair is different. And um, I was like, yeah, do you like it? And she was like, yeah, I liked it. But so-and-so said something to me. And I said, well, tell me what that looked like. And she was like, well, I was working at my desk and he walked across the room and he said, who did your hair like that? And she said, my mom. And he said, tell her not to do it like that anymore. I don't mean to laugh, but I mean, it's. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm just like, so I was just thinking to myself, I'm like, that picture that she painted was kind of aggressive for him to get up and walk across the room and seek her out. Mm -hmm. It'd be different if she just walked in the door and he was the first person she saw. Um, But then I thought there were teachable moments for, you know, diversity and and culture and inclusion there too. Mm -hmm. So I did mention it to the teacher, but one thing I said to her um, that I hope was really powerful to her Mm -hmm. is I trust you to know your kids and know your classroom and Mm -hmm. to handle this as you see fit in your classroom Mm -hmm. as long as it is addressed because my child doesn't usually come home and say Absolutely. anything. And I'm not naive enough to think that nobody ever says anything mean to her. But she uses her but resiliency. The, right. And she wanted to talk to you about it, right. which means that it hit her a little right. bit deeper than most things she do. She knew that that was different and that that felt different to wow. her. So I, that is just an example of like when you're like, okay, this may be time for me to be, me to intervene. Wow. That's such a 
it's it's but it all comes down to creating that environment at home mm-hmm. where your kids are comfortable mm-hmm. coming to you and yep. talking to you and making sure that they know that we're all imperfect, which I feel like is mm-hmm. like this huge thing that we all come back to is that mm-hmm. the more approachable we are as parents, mm-hmm. you know, and the more that dialogue happens, the more I feel like we can get ahead of it probably before it gets to be a significant situation. Mm-hmm. And, you know, another thing that I think about too is when we know that mm-hmm. our child is having difficulty with another child in their class, yep. it's helpful that we really model not being hypersensitive as well. Um, it's so funny because that's the reaction. I mean, right. you just said that that child made that comment to your daughter. And I mean, I suddenly was like, mama bear, what does he think he's doing? You right. know how you don't comment on a girl's hair or body or anything, right. you know, it's just so funny because we, we, I, I feel myself getting hypersensitive to it and protective. Right. And so we have to really model like an appropriate response mm-hmm. to that. And so, you know, saying, you know, that makes me really angry that somebody made you feel like that. Mm-hmm. But when we start yelling and screaming and I'm going to call that teacher yeah. and I mean, it creates a situation mm-hmm. for that child that they're like, oh, gosh, I'm not going to tell my mom that anymore mm-hmm. because she got really upset. She got really mad and I don't want mm-hmm. to see her or see my dad like that again. Yeah. Um, so I think giving them space too, mm-hmm. um, and I think it's, one thing that parents do is when they know that there's a child that their child is having an issue with is every day they get in the car. Did so-and-so bother you today? Was so-and-so nice to you today? Mm-hmm. That's what they do, right? It's, it's like after your kid has the stomach bug right. and you're like, okay, I think we're okay, but hold on. Do you have a stomach ache? Do you have a stomach ache? Are you right. going to get sick? Can we leave the house? It's exactly like, they're going to be totally. like, well, maybe I do yeah. have a stomach exactly. ache. Or maybe well, let me, let me cook up some yeah. way that he was mean to me today because I think that's what my mom Mama or dad wants. is looking yes. for. So I think asking them questions like, um, creative questions like what was the best part of your day yep. or what was your favorite thing that you learned mm-hmm. or my favorite's getting really creative. Um, if you could compare your day to a food, what food would you choose? Ooh, I like that one. I'll have to use that one. At dinner what, time an- sometime. what animal would you compare your mood today to? Yeah. Um, and you know, just kind of seeing what they come up with. And sometimes those things that we're looking for can kind of naturally develop from that conversation. That's fascinating. Mm-hmm. I love that idea. Mm-hmm. Um, you've given moms in general a little bit of tips in terms of how to communicate back to the school if we feel like it needs mm-hmm. to happen. I see it so often, like on moms groups on social media, you know, hey, so this happened to my kid today. What would you all do? And it's like mm-hmm. the pitchforks are out. And right. You know, every once in a while you'll have a mom or two that are that's within the school system that gives like some really good balanced <laughs> advice. But most of the time it's like, storm the school go up there today file a police report absolutely um tell me tell me a little bit about best practices if you do want to be seen and heard and make sure that your child is seen and heard as well Mm -hmm. i think going through the proper channels first i think often when parents are emotionally charged they want to go to the head of the school they want to go to the principal Mm -hmm. right um or they even a lot of times come to me as a school counselor they want to come to me it's really important that we be fair to that child's teacher and let the teacher know first because Mm -hmm. it's important that they know what is going on in their everyday that they may or may not even be aware of but as a parent like and my kids are not in Mm -hmm. the school system sure I would say, hey, if this is happening as much as my kid is saying mm-hmm. and the teacher is not aware, right. I'm not wasting my time there. She's not, she's not aware of what's going on in her classroom. Right. 
But I think we also need to give educators the benefit of the doubt that there are a lot of things that yes. can happen. That interaction that you mm-hmm. that you described with your daughter, that could have happened in two seconds. The teacher may or may not have ever seen that happen. So Right. And it's important to remember that, you know, kids are really, really smart and they are people pleasers naturally. So are they going to do things in front of their teachers that they know their teachers wouldn't desire from Mm -hmm. them? Uh, Probably not. So they're going to be a little sneaky. So it, you know, we don't know what effort went behind making sure that that teacher wasn't aware that that interaction happened. Um, So I think that's something to kind of take a step back and remember. Um, But, you know, even if you went to the teacher and, you know, appropriate action wasn't taken, at least you've given that teacher the benefit of the doubt of letting them know first. Mm -hmm. Um, And many times if you approach someone higher in a higher position at a school, they will go back to the teacher for background knowledge um, Mm -hmm. because, you know, to be honest, principals do a great job of being connected with their students and with their teachers and classes, but they are not going to know any child as directly and as well as the people that are with them every day with you, with your child every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and <clears throat> teachers often can say, you know, I wasn't aware that that was happening, but now that you mentioned that mm-hmm. I did see so-and-so over it at Karis's mm-hmm. desk. Absolutely. And I was wondering what happened and she wasn't as talkative after school, but I thought maybe she was a little tired or, yeah. you know, there are so many dynamics that play into that. So I think it's really important that we give, um, our teachers the benefit of the doubt. So go directly to the teacher. Yep. And I would assume that that relationship should start prior to there being situations that build that relationship with the teacher. Sure. Sure. And if you are a parent that knows your child struggles with social interaction, Mm -hmm. um, that has, you know, limited social skills or um, evolving social skills, then that would be almost an introductory experience for you to have with that your child's teacher from the beginning. Hey, my child often struggles with, Mm-hmm. conflict with other children um you know but so much of that right is so much growth as a parent it is to realize that we're building imperfect beings yeah. you know and it's so and i mean it's such a bigger picture of what we do in motherhood mm-hmm. in general and how we separate ourselves from each other and sure we don't have these vulnerable moments where you know, I can sit with another parent and connect over how our, our kids all struggle mm-hmm. a little bit and how we're all trying to support them. Um, but it's such a big, it's that's such a big thing to be it able is. to say, Hey, you know what? My, my kids, I, I watch my kids struggle here, here and here. Mm-hmm. How can we support each other this year? Mm-hmm. You know, to make sure that it's a good positive year. So though that goes to just some straight out of the gate questions for, yeah. um, for teachers when you meet them, you know, uh, you know, how do you deal with conflict in your classroom? How do you create a positive, a nurturing environment for students to learn and grow in your classroom. Um, what is your philosophy on, you know, parent involvement um, with at, at home? You know, how hands on do I need to be with you know what they're learning in school? Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, that could be a whole other topic of just kind of how to prepare your child for you know a successful school school year and school environment. But yeah. those are all great, just introductory questions for like open house and yeah those first conferences and things like that i love it because it probably gets that teacher thinking i'm sure they're already thinking about situations like Mm -hmm. that but you know they have so much on their plate Mm -hmm. um anything you want to leave us with other than you know sure i think um 
remembering that all children have a story mm-hmm. that they all come humans, all people have yeah, a story that they come to school with yeah um and we never know what that story looks like and what survival skills they have brought to school with them mm-hmm. um and many times that is kind of if the umbrella is bullying mm-hmm. or if the umbrella is aggression what's lying underneath or what kinds of interactions are they seeing at home Mm -hmm. what types of um, abuse or trauma have they been exposed Mm to Um, do they have a safe person at home that they can talk to and it doesn't always have to be from what I've learned through talking with you and just what I've experienced with my own kids it doesn't have to be these really big what you and I would look at as trauma experiences like Mm -hmm. we were just talking about how my nine-year-old has struggled with reading Mm -hmm. and he Probably is somewhere on the dyslexic um, spectrum somewhere. I don't even know mm-hmm. if there's a dyslexia spectrum. I'm sure there is. I'm sure there's severe versus not. Um, but he's homeschooled and, you know, mm-hmm. we take it a year at a time and, mm-hmm. you know, we get him the resources he needs. But when we finally teamed him with somebody who actually understands a little bit more about the way his brain works and talks to him with that dyslexia training. It's almost like he leaves there and his anxiety is lower. He's mm-hmm. calmer. He's less reactive, mm-hmm. which I could understand in a school setting could lead to him mm-hmm. bullying or something like that. But it's so interesting because you labeled that as some sort of trauma, which mm-hmm. I hadn't thought about it before, but if you're struggling and you're mm-hmm. watching your brother, who's two years younger than you, you know, reading better than you are, you know, it starts to create these feelings that you're not good enough mm-hmm. or that you have these strong feelings where it doesn't have to be a huge trauma situation. Mm-hmm. It can be little things that just kind of, you know, snowball throughout time well he feels empowered Mm -hmm. and he's not he's no longer personalizing his disability yeah there's something wrong with me he's understanding that this is how his brain works and that takes a huge load off yeah it's It's like a big heavy backpack and saying hey I'll, i'll hold that for you yeah um and that's the case with so many children and understanding neuroscience brain science the way their brains work Mm -hmm. is you know understanding that I don't get angry because there's something wrong with me. I get angry because this is biologically how my brain works. It's such a huge thing. Um, I'm so uh, a huge advocate of kids understanding how their brains and emotions come into play. Um, Which they're not broken. No. Like that's the whole thing is like they're just different. We're all different, you know? And I think that's kind of the final thing I I, want to leave with is when children are working through their emotions, we have to give them space. We as adults are fixers. We want to find out what's wrong, who hurt your feelings, who bothered you, and we want to fix it right away. Um, But many times when children are in crisis and when they are upset, um, when they are dealing with those uncomfortable feelings, they don't have actual access to language. That's why when kids are crying and upset and you say, tell me what's wrong, and they, they, it's not that they're being stubborn. They truly can't engage in language because those are two different parts of their brains that must work at the same time and it's just not able to happen. So uh, it's important to kind of let them calm down, um, to let the part of their brain that controls their emotions um, just kind of calm down and kind of reset before they can do that retelling of what happens so that they can think logically. 
So I teach wow. kids a lot about just the different areas of their brains and how they work. That's awesome. <laughs> it's awesome to learn. They don't, they don't teach you this in mom school. Right. You know, right. I mean, they might teach you this in school counseling school, but yeah. it's, uh, it's fascinating. It's all the little stuff that you learn and then you give yourself grace that, you yeah. know, it takes you a little while to get there, but it's all amazing tools that we can help our kids to be yeah. healthy yeah. and we can all grow together. So thank sure. you so much. It's yeah. been another awesome kind of learning experience for me and hopefully it's helpful for our audience as well. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.